This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the latest episode of The Varsity Podcast, a podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore high school sports. I'm Michael Dwojak here with Friday Night Drive, and I'm here with Joe Coughlin, also our uh, record North Shore founding member, and we got an uh, old name, old voice for you guys back. Marty Carlino, intrepid reporter of the New Trevians football team, is back on the podcast for this week's episode. We got a big, uh, big matchup against uh, Maine South. Well, we got we got a lot of New Trevians Maine South to talk about since we've got a, re- a recap and a preview to talk about. But um, good to have you back here, Marty. Yeah, really excited to be back on. Thanks for having me, guys. It's uh, it's playoff football season. Let's go. <laughs> right and football is obviously what we're going to be talking about here we're going to do our usual four quarter format in the first quarter we recap the end of the regular season for both Loyola and New Trier in the second quarter we are joined by New Trier football player Alex Mendez in the third quarter we play our weekly guessing game of way or no way and then in the fourth quarter we preview week one of the football playoffs here with both Loyola and New Trier starting things off this week. And just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. Make sure you check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, what have you. Make sure you are following us and spread the word at those tailgates and Friday and Saturday football games as well. But why don't we get started by recapping uh, the season that was so far in the regular season. Um, we'll start off with Loyola uh, taking on Mount Carmel. Um, a tight game, not really a game you expected. Um, Loyola traveling down to Mount Carmel and uh, being down there. I had not been down there since uh, they had the new field and like the scoreboard and everything like that. Pretty nice little sub that Mount Carmel's got going on over there. I mean, can't hold probably as many people as Loyola or other schools can, but um, got his cool little setup down there. But um, for much of the game, it was a battle between these two teams. Loyola um, ultimately winning 20 to 21 to 19. Um, Mount Carmel uh, scored uh, late in the game, I think a few seconds left, um, to make it a 21-19 game. Then Mount Carmel's uh, two-point conversion did not work as they called offensive pass interference um, after that play. So Loyola uh, uh, recovered the onside kick and won 21-19 to finish the season 9-0 and winning the outright uh, CCL-ESCC Blue Division crown. Um, but guys, this was really a uh, the score made it seem like a tight game. I mean, a big fourth down stop for Loyola um, really got the momentum going. We saw James Cruz apparently as a leading running back now um, can really uh, rush the ball. I mean, this team um, just showed off its muscle and showed us it showed off its depth and uh, power to hold off a surging Mount Carmel team there at the end. Yeah, you were there, Michael, um, you know, from Neil's story that we had. Um, it sounded like Mount Carmel controlled the game just as much as Loyola can did kind of a smash mouth Catholic league classic. Um, but Loyola was able to find Pater because of Crutes and, you know, Holosek coach Holosek's quotes at the end were pretty, were pretty cool. Uh, talking about how he's Crutes is a short yardage guy. And then he bursted that one for 50, which if you saw the video, it's, it, it's insane. He breaks like three or four tackles. I mean, it looks couple like broken really tackles in there. Run couple broken yeah. tackles he's there. a bad dude <laughs> he's a bad dude he's he's very physical and he's uh just kind of got power through a kind of a taller frame he's he's a scary dude so that was a pretty cool run and 
Um, I'm curious to see, you know, on that two point conversion attempt, Michael, can you break it down for us more? So they scored, then they had, they had a two point conversion attempt and, and what happened exactly? So apparently, so the ball was going toward the right side of the end zone. And apparently, um, I mean, I was on the other side of the end zone, so I didn't get a great look at it, but from what Jordan Lynch told me after the game, apparently um, the wide receiver just um, was uh, tugging a little bit too much. And that's why they called offensive cast interference. Um, Jordan Lynch obviously was not happy with the officiating after that uh, game, but um, really um, it really just came down to a final play. And um, I guess just based on what the officials saw, um, they were just tugging too much and too much contact there. And um, they called the uh, offensive pass interference. But um, I mean, re you really need to give credit to um, Mount Carmel and um, coach Halasek was uh, not too pleased. I mean, you saw in some of his quotes that he said in the stories, um, he just said that like he felt terrible after that win, which is pretty funny when you win nine and oh, or you finish the season nine and oh, but I mean, he was pretty mad. I mean, Mount Carmel's uh, offense was really able to get it going. I mean, they scored a touch. Blaine Dowling led a two-play uh, drive that scored the game to make it a one-score game. And then he was able to uh, drive again toward the end of the play. Um, just a coverage that didn't work, Halasek said after the game, just didn't work. Um, Dowling was able to really run outside the pocket and really uh, give his receivers some time, and um, that just didn't work out. So that's definitely something that Coach Halasek and that defense is going to work on because I mean, if you give tape on what's going to work to break down this Loyola defense, obviously other teams are going to take advantage of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, this offense was just able to, uh, um, this Montcarma offense was really able to uh, spot some holes against uh, um, against Loyola, which will be really interesting to see what um, they're able to do. But um, the offense, guys, I mean, is just able to really use momentum. It had a fourth down stop at its own two-yard line uh, in the end of the second quarter and Loyola drove 91 yards and scored a touchdown. Then it started the second half and scored a touchdown there to take the 14 to three lead. I mean, it seems like Jake starting that offense is really able to uh, build off of momentum and really, you know, get big plays when they really need them. Yeah. And I think that's what they're going to need in the postseason because at least, you know, they're the top seed. So the first week or two, which we've seen year after year, getting that high seed is, is nice they get a little softer start and get to really work up to it if they need to. I do think Loyola needs to get healthy in a couple spots, you know, and we'll talk about in the fourth quarter, uh, especially at running back, if they get their full fleet uh, of running backs back at some point in this postseason, they turn into that super scary team. They're already scary, but super scary team by the end of the postseason. Yeah, I think, and we talked about the show last week about the defense needing to make a big stand. Obviously, the offense scored 21 points, but big stops by that Loyola defense is uh, the reason why um, Mount Carbo wasn't able to make that comeback. But we'll talk more about Loyola in the fourth quarter as we'll talk a little bit more about that 8A bracket as well. Um, but let's move on over to uh, New Trier playing Maine South on Friday night. Um, last Friday night, because I know that's confusing for folks at home. Um, but uh, Nutrier lost 49 to 42, uh, came back a little bit toward the end. Joe, I know you're at the game, but um, obviously there's some wrinkles into that comeback. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, but it, man, Marty, you missed a wild one. Uh, yeah, I was thinking to myself, the, the one, one of the ones that I'm not at. Really enjoyed reading your story, though, Joe. It sounds like it definitely was a, a crazy Friday night there. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it was, and it was just not anything like I don't think either coach could have predicted, which made the score, in my opinion, 
kind of an anomaly. I, I don't know if you could say, you know, Nutrier, like, like we put in the story, had, you know, they, they threw four interceptions, they lost two fumbles, and they had two blocked kicks, like blocked blocked, not tipped, like, you know, right there at the line of scrimmage. So uh, that's basically, you're talking about eight turnovers. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they only lost by seven. So kind of to break it down a little more, you know, Nutrier was right in it at the beginning. They, Main South scored two right away. But then Nutrier scored on a quick touchdown, and you're thinking, wait a minute now. Nutrier uh, looks like they moved pretty quickly through this offense. They got a turnover. They got a three and out throughout the first half. It looked kind of good. Uh, but then they got two punts blocked, and that was – I mean, that did so much damage for their momentum. Anytime they got momentum, that was it. Um, so that was kind of tough for them. And they went What do you think happened on those block punts plays, punt, punt plays, Joe? I'm curious. Uh, give the credit to Maine South or a little bit of lack of execution from Nutrier? I got to say that Maine South had to see something. And obviously they – For been- two to happen, yeah, because they haven't had one uh, this entire season blocked. And, you know – um, we, we, I'm sure you guys have talked about it before, but just how tremendous Nikki is back there for Nutria as a kicker. You, you gotta think that they, they exploited some kind of weakness and took advantage of it. They definitely did. And, you know, I'm telling you that they, they weren't close. Like Nikki didn't have any inch to get that kickoff. He didn't kick it low. He didn't, you know, the, the blocker, um, I don't remember who it was either time, but was right on top of him when he released the ball. So I know after, after the first one coach told him, you know, you know, Nikki, one step kick. That's it. That's it against these guys. But the second one was the exact same thing. So um, they definitely just found a hole and exploited it twice. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm sure Nutria on the tape is probably hitting themselves because it's something they missed. It, it wasn't like, you know, their guy fell down. It was just something that they missed and made South took advantage. So 2014 um, at the break. Um, and then Nutria out of the halftime. And I'm sorry, I'm probably breaking this down too much, but they muffed the opening kickoff. So they had the ball oh. and some <laughs> communication back there between um, Mendez and the sophomore McCary. Uh, and they kind of fumbled it and uh, went down to, you know, pick it up and did the same thing. Main South got there in time. And then the, you know, after Main South scored their first offensive play, another fumble. Um, so they really shot themselves in the foot a lot. At that point, it was 42-14. Main South put in some of their reserves especially on the offensive end, they kind of did a slow uh, in and out and Nutrier just climbed back big, huge plays, an 80 yard pass play, a 40 yard pass play, a 50 yard pass play Uh, just kind of took chunks out of them at a time. And all of a sudden it was 49 to to 35 and Nutrier had the ball. So uh, it got really exciting at the end. um, And then Nutrier had a shot and just uh, couldn't, couldn't make a miracle happen, but it was pretty cool. Yeah, that turnover point is just especially interesting, Joe. And it's because that's something that really that this team hasn't struggled with this year, Um, especially offensively. I mean, they have just not handed the ball over. I'm trying to think back throughout the season how many turnovers they have on offense. And it's got to be fewer than five, I would say. I think maybe Kremiscoli has three interceptions tops tops going into that game. Um, might, Might even be one or two. I would have to to go back on that, but turnovers have not been a problem for them. Um, offense really hasn't been too much of a problem. So it's really surprising to hear that, you know, that they were just so plagued by 
turning the ball over and kind of just giving a good team like Maine South almost three points on Friday night. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's really what, what stung them. I think they might've been able to hang with them. I don't know if they would have been able to beat Maine South without the turnovers. Maine South's offense looked like they could just march on New yeah. first team defense, just chunk plays by running backs at Janko and their quarterback, uh, uh, Rowan, um, Rowan, let's call him Rowan. I forgot his last name. O'Keefe, O'Keefe or Keefe, it's one of the two. Yeah, Rowan Keefe, I think. He hit his first 14 passes, 14 of his first 14, um, which is just really special at the high school level. So really cool to see that and just kind of that explosive offense. Um, but Nutria's got to clean some things up. You know, Kremaskoli did throw four picks. I'd say two of them were in uh, desperation time, trying mm-hmm. to get anything off. One of them was off the receiver's hands in the, in the second quarter. And the first one was, I think he missed the linebacker and he threw right to him. So if you want to break. Yeah. Them, um, I know all off season, we had talked about it leading up to this game and leading up to this season, really how that neutral main South game last year kind of showed us the early indications that this was going to be a really good main South team this year. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of cause you had saw Sajanko and you had saw the, the promise and the ability that he had had last year. And then they had brought in that quarterback to play a little bit at the end of last season, uh, the Northwestern recruit returning. So just tons of talent coming back. So we expected a good offense and they've shown it throughout the season. And it's kind of a worst case scenario situation for Nutrier because they're, they obviously graduated the senior heavy experienced uh, phenomenal defense last year and now come back in a rebuilding year uh, defensively. And I think it's fair to say it, it hasn't gone um, as well as they maybe hoped it could. And they, they've struggled all year on that side of the ball. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a interesting to watch and tough to see sometimes, but obviously um, we'll get this matchup again. We'll uh, have Maine South and Nutria playing against each other. They're going to change up the venue uh, just for fun, obviously not for fun because Maine South finished with a better record, but um, we'll dive more into that in the fourth quarter, but we're still going to stick with Nutria football. As we head into the second quarter, we are joined by Alex Mendez. Uh, Joe, I know you got a chance to catch up with him after the game. What are the folks at home going to hear? Yeah, you know, Alex has been getting more integrated in the, into the um, offense since about week three. Um, and slowly and surely, he's been really making impact. This week, he had eight catches, 130 yards, a couple scores, a couple really nice catches. And uh, he's been playing middle linebacker, too. So, He's been really instrumental um, in as this team for this team down the stretch. And we just talked about, you know, what went right, what went wrong, um, how Nutria didn't kind of give up when they saw the score was 42 to 14. All right, let's take a listen. What's that mindset on the sideline going down big to a team like this? What are you guys thinking? You know, our offense kind of really helped us pick, pick us up, um, which has been a, like it the whole season. Um, I, I was trying to get the defense fired up. Our coaches were trying to get the defense fired up. We're just trying to stay in the game, you know, because against a team like this, if you fall out of um, a close game, they can just take take over like that. So we're just trying to stay in the game, make big plays. Like turnovers helped. Right. Andre Birmingham fumbled in the fourth quarter. Right. Okay. And then from the offense, you know what? They pulled their starters yeah. about early in the third, right, when they scored that 40, 42. Yeah. Did you guys notice? We noticed, and we said, "Hey, they, they just put in their backups. You know, take that as a, as a like a insult. You know, and we had an opportunity. They they drove on us with their backups, but you know, inexperienced players, we can take charge, and so it's just what we try to do. Take advantage of their um, 
Yeah, and you scored um, a bunch. You guys as an offensive unit in the second half, uh, off the top of my head, I don't know, but the passing game seemed to be rolling. Your, your role in that has grown. How do you feel in the passing game now after a few weeks? You know, um, I got like I really got used in it more after week three. I had an injury in the summer, so they tried to like roll me back in. And now I feel like I've become really comfortable. Like, we know all the plays, and our offense has worked really well together. Me and Josh, Finn, you know, we know what to do. Josh is setting picks out on my my um, defenders. I'm setting picks on his. Like we just work really well together. It's not, you can't say pick, isn't that illegal? Is it called like a bump or a yeah, he's, draft? Yeah, getting in the way. <laughs> um, that's, you know, that was my next question with Nevin, with you, with, with Finn, with Josh. You know, why is this offense so good? Like, well, what makes you guys work well together? I think really it started last, before last spring during um, quarantine. We'd hit Skokie Playfields all the time together. So we really grew that chemistry. And as we got, as we grew on, we really learned from each other. Like, we played with each other for a while. Me and Josh in seventh grade. Yeah. Uh, Finn joined us in freshman year. So, like, we really just know each other really well. And Josh, being a quarterback, he knows the game really well. Did you ever feel – did you feel like you were out of the game at all on the sideline? I could tell that, like, our energy really went down. But me personally, I, li- I like to think we're always in a game. And I remember me and Henry Wolfie, the other linebacker who we just talked to, we looked at the scoreboard. It was, like, 49-28, I think. We were like, this would be crazy if we came back. And so we just tried it. And we know Peter Frame in practice, he's always getting those onside kicks. In right. That's pretty That's a pretty good strategy. Uh, was there a moment that brought you back? Was there like a moment where you're like, okay, okay. I really think Henry Wolfie's um, fumble. Yeah. With his big hit. And then just like getting stops. Even though they would drive, we just kept on getting stops. And then the big plays, obviously, most of our scores weren't on like a one or five yard run. It was yeah. like a big 20 yard pass or something. That just gets the whole team fired up. So what about next week? What do you guys got to do to be ready for the playoffs? Because you know you're going to get a big, a higher yeah. seed. And obviously, it's been like this the whole season. We just got to start fast. We don't really start fast that often. So I think if we start fast, we could really hang with any team and just do the little things right. Our coach said, you know, our attention to detail wasn't too good. So if we fix that, we can really hit. We've put up 42 against one of the best teams in the state. I think we could do it against anyone if we just stay focused. Thanks so much, Alex, for joining us. And thank you as all to all the players and coaches for joining us each and every single week. Always appreciate the insight. All right, let's move on over now to the third quarter where we play our weekly game of Way or No Way. We'll get Marty back in there and we'll have Joe and Marty do some fighting about uh, what is happening here in the area. I give them five propositions. Way, uh, they agree with what I said. No way, they don't agree with what I said. All right, Joe, uh, I'll start off with you. We're going to talk about boys' soccer playoffs. New Trier is uh, playing OPRF. We're recording this actually on Tuesday, um, so we will not know the result of uh, their game against Tuesday, uh, against, against, against OPRF. Um, Loyola lost against GBS in their regional final matchup. But um, way or no way, Joe, that the New Trier boys' soccer team um, – can beat Evanston. Again, this is a hypothetical if Evanston wins tonight. Um, way or no way that the Nutria Boys soccer team can beat Evanston in the sectional final this later in this week? I'm going to say way. I think Nutria's hot. I think after taking that loss to Evanston, they've really had that chip on their shoulder and been building for this matchup, for this tournament, I should say. Um, and, you know, this is tough competition um, in this bracket. Uh, Evanston went to PKs with Lane Tech, who's no slouch of a program we know, always a great soccer program, even if they might not have the record for it. 
and Loyola lost the GBS in um, PKs. So yeah. uh, this is this is a really good bracket. Really, a lot of talent here. Uh, they don't lose much. So I wouldn't be surprised if more of these games go to overtime and PKs. But I think I think Nutria has the talent and resolve to to put some back in the net um, to uh, to come out of the sectional. All right, Marty, yeah. what do you think? I think I have to agree with Joe here and say way as a way as well. Anytime you propose a, a way, no way with Nutria boys soccer and it revolves around winning, I think you have to always <laughs> consider way just because the talent with that program. Uh, Joe mentioned it since that loss to Evan Evanson, they've been playing their best soccer, uh, something like almost a dozen straight since that loss. They've only conceded one goal in their last four games. So clearly they're going to remember that matchup. Clearly they're going to remember that defeat. They're going to be motivated, ready to go talent all over the place. So I, I think there's a chance that they can, they can take Evanston. All right. All right. Uh, we have the girls volleyball playoffs starting again tonight, Tuesday night. Um, last week we argued about whether New Trier and Loyola's seedings were correct. Um, so way or no, Marty, that New Trier and Loyola girls volleyball will meet for a sectional title. Yeah, guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but did they meet last year or am I thinking of a few years back? Well, they didn't have a postseason last year. I thought we had debated this on the same side last year. But, um, yeah, if anything, I think you have to wonder if um, both teams are going to be able to make it to that matchup. I think um, you've seen at times a little bit of struggles uh, from both sides, kind of an up-and-down year on the Nutria side of things. Kind of lost had had lost that last game before the playoffs, had lost – uh, a few conference games before the playoffs as well. So uh, I'm going to say no way on this one. All right, Joe, what do you think? Who I'll disagree and say way. I just like to root for this. Uh, <laughs> Loyola. It's, it, it's, it's fun and it makes for easier coverage for us, right? We only got to go to one game, but um, <laughs> I, I think they can do it. I think they have the talent too, but Marty's exactly right. This, this bracket is also no joke. You know, it's, these teams have beaten each other up a lot. We got Niles West, the four seed, who took out Nutrier. Um, we got Niles, I'm sorry, uh, Maine West, who's a good team at five. Um, Fremd, who's solid. You know, we got just a lot of good programs here. Um, Niles North is a six. Um, so it's going to be a struggle for both teams to even make the sectional final, to even win regional championships, to be honest. Um, Nutrier is going to have to play Maine South and loyal opponent um, who they don't have much experience against so you never know I really think this bracket is pretty deep um, but I'm gonna say way I think they are the most talented teams so um, if all goes if they play good volleyball they should make it all right all right Joe way or no way that the Loyola Academy girls swimming and diving team will place higher than Nutrier when it comes to sectional racing uh no way uh, I think I, I've, I've answered these questions very slowly <laughs> with, with swimming the, this past few weeks just because Nutrier, one, we talked about their depth. They're, they're so deep that they put up the points at these big tournaments. But this year they've got both. They're top heavy and they're deep. Um, so I guess that makes them not top heavy. But you know what I mean? They've got a lead at the top and they're deep. It's just this is a really good Nutrier program. They've got you know, Gridley and Nova line at the top, a couple others, they're going to, they're going to sk- smoke teams and relays. Um, and they've got some individual champions and I believe a really good diver. Also, I think Loyola's got a good diver, but anyway, um, I think Nutrier um, is going to out, outscore Loyola in a sectional meet. 
Yeah, I think I got to agree with Joe here and go no way as well. It's just really hard to bet against uh, that program over at Nutrier. Just every year consistently uh, one of the best in the state, if not the best. So it, it's really tough to, to, to go against them. So I got to agree with Joe here. All right, Marty, we just watched Maine South score 49 points on Nutrier's defense. Way or no way that Nutrier can hold Maine South to 35 points in their matchup this weekend? I mean, if I was setting the over-under on that game, I think that's a, a really nice number to have Maine South at. Uh, under 35, I'm going to say – oh, that's, that's a tough one. Um, I'm going to say no way because in my score prediction – I've got Maine South a little bit higher than that. So I think that's kind of the range that uh, I'm forecasting where that game's going to go. 35 seems like a, a really fair number. Uh, that kind of seems like the number where if Nutrier can keep it at that, maybe, 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 maybe there's a chance um, for them to pull something off. So I'm just going to go no way on that one. I think it's going to be just a little slightly over 35. Yeah, that's a good number. Um, makes me think, but I'm still going to say no way. And I know that's got to be a number or even maybe, maybe coaches putting 30 out there for their kids, something like that to hold them under. Um, but I just, you know, there's the playoffs. Um, they're, they're not taking their starters out and leaving anything to chance. I, I would say it's going to go over 35 and Nutria is going to have to outscore them. I think they know that. Um, so I'm, I'm with Marty. I'm going to say no way. All right, final one. Loyola hosts Downers Grove South in the first round matchup for the football team. Way or no way that Loyola will have a big lead that will lead to a running clock on Saturday. <laughs> Not a running clock. Oh, man. I, I feel – do we have any Downers Grove South listeners? I don't want to offend anybody. <laughs> um, you know, Loyola's been known to pull its punches a little bit, you know, when they know something's in hand. And this isn't going to be one of those games where – they're unsure. Like, you know, we're playing a Maris, we're up 40, but Hey, Maris could score 40 in two quarters. Um, I, I think they're going to be in well in control. So I could see a situation where they just stick it at 35. Ah. <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm going to say way to a running clock though. I say they get to 42 and sit on it. I'll say no way to this one. Um, similar reasoning for how Joe had said it, but I'll go the other way. I just think that once you get to a certain, um, you know, point threshold, especially in the first round of the playoffs, you're thinking about next week already. And there's undeniably going to be a point where Loyola is going to be up, you know, 30 to three or 30 to nothing or something along those lines where then they'll start to hold back and, and hesitate a little bit. And then maybe you have to think that uh, Downers Grove gets a touchdown in there and that would then reset that threshold to, to, to get the running clock. So I'm going to say no way. Yeah, and like we saw against Providence, I think Halasek likes to uh, pull his players and get some sportsmanship in there as well to make sure you're not running it up on the team. But um, it'll be interesting to see. So let's move on over to the fourth quarter and talk about that. Let's talk about um, some football. But before we do that, we mentioned, uh, we got to mention the new True Girls tennis team who has a team um, finished second in state. We had talked about their uh, title contention. Joe, I know that you um, caught up with the team and what, was watching what they're able to do and um, tell us just how good um, and how well they performed over the weekend. Yeah, it was an interesting finish. If you saw the story, uh, three-way tie for second place. Hinsdale Central kind of established themselves on day two. 
and kind of put things away for the title, but it was still in contention. Who's going to be, you know, two through five, really, um, who was going to be in there. So um, on day two and on day three, Madison Liu, um, Nutria's top singles player, and their top doubles team of Lucy Perilli and uh, Carrie Rothenberg advanced to Saturday. So they were going to play for a medal, which is the one through six um, spots they were going to play. And that's huge. Um, Madison picked up a point um, and that really is what did it um, for him to get that uh, 26 point. And um, Lucy and Carrie also winning on Friday was a huge point. They had, I think four wins in the backdrop and those four points were humongous. They had eight total points, but those four, two points for the, Four backdrop points were huge for them to get to that 26. And they ended up in a three-way tie with Lake Forest and Stevenson. Um, not a bad debut for Madison Liu, who's um, only a sophomore. Obviously, they didn't have a tournament last year. So um, finishing in fifth place in the state, um, she's going to be um, on, on the come in the years in, and for her junior and senior years. And um, Nutria, both Perilli and Rothenberg are freshmen, um, so they'll be sophomores next year. So this is a really good new Trier lineup that they put up there with only one senior, a bunch of people coming back, and able to get second place uh, was a big accomplishment knowing that Hinsdale Central kind of kind of ran away with it on day two. Well, congratulations to them. Obviously, a great fall and uh, being able to finish in second place. And um, like you mentioned, a bright future with all that young talent. Um, growing a year older next year. We'll see just how better um, they can do next year. But um, let's move on over now to football where um, let's start with this uh, Nutria Maine South matchup. I'm really curious to see um, how much do you feel like the teams on Friday? I don't really know how much they could have really predicted that they would just play each other again um, a week later in the opening round of the playoffs. But how familiar do you feel like these teams are with each other? And do you feel like that that could play any factor at all um, in their matchup this upcoming weekend? I think so. And I, you know, I talked to coach Dole about this new uh coach, Brian Dole um, about the matchup, what he thought about it. And, you know, uh, obviously there's no choosing these matchups. The numbers point to them for you. And the IHSA is kind of taking out any, any kind of influence over those. They just go by, your record, your playoff points, you're seated one through um, 32 and you play who you play. Um, so, and that's what happened. And so many things had to go a certain way for Nutria to play Maine South again. Uh, obviously they had to lose. Um, Evanston had to beat Glenbrook South because Glenbrook South could have been eight and one. Nutria could have played Glenbrook South if that went right. Um, Hinsdale Central had to lose you know, a bunch of different things obviously had to happen for them to play Maine South again. And uh, kind of a bummer that it happened that way. If you ask me, I think if you ask a lot of people, we just saw this game. It'd be great if we could see Nutria play somebody out of the area. Like what if the Central Suburban League's really good compared to the South Suburban or the West, uh, one of the Western um, conferences? Maybe they're better than a Hinsdale Central. Maybe they can compete with a Lockport. We won't know because... Um, this is just how the system we have to deal with. But, um, you know, coach said that it does make game planning easier while he lamented that um, he would have liked to play somebody else um, just for the sake of the tournament and the kids. But um, it does make game planning a little easier. So that does factor into it. Um, I don't know if that's going to change either of their game plans too much. 
I think slightly, right? They're going to have to try to do something different, especially on the Trier side of the ball. But, um, you know, they are who they are at this point. You, you kind of dance with the team that brought you um, to the postseason, especially if you're eight and one main South. So um, we'll see what happens, but it, I, I'm sure they, a little less time game planning for the other team, a little more time working on the holes in your team, I would think. Yeah, and to, to answer the first part of your question, Michael, I think these teams are really familiar with each other. Um, I, I'm pretty fairly confident in saying that throughout the offseason, off even leading into part of the season, Nutria does a pretty good amount of buildup to that main South game. I mean, a lot of the seasons come down to that week. Now, this year was a little bit different because some things had, had, had happened prior to that matchup, but um, – you know, they're, they're well prepared for that game. And I think they, they know what they're getting even well before that week. So they've done, I think a, a fair amount of preparation and, and they'll be pretty, pretty aware of what's coming. I think uh, in more words or less, I, I don't think there'll be too many surprises um, from either one of these teams now with the second week in a row. You guys are coached all. I mean, you just watched the, the game that happened on Friday, you know, your team's weaknesses, you know, your team's strengths, you know, I mean, South's weaknesses and their strengths. Well, I mean, what's the game plan here? I mean, what do you how, what do you try to do um, to make this a close game and then make this a game that Nutrier can potentially win? I think it starts out with you can't fall into a hole. You, you cannot get down early, um, you know, in any game, but especially when you're playing a, a good team, the caliber of Maine South, you cannot fall into a hole uh, a, a double digit hole right off the bat that pretty much is setting yourself up to lose that game. Um, I can think of on three occasions this year already where that's happened to new Trier and they just have fought back, but haven't been able to fully dig out of that hole. You think of the Evanston game earlier this year, their first conference game of the season, they're down seven, nothing after Evanston's first possession um, early in the second quarter, they're, they're down 14, nothing. They go into half, I believe down 14, nothing. And they just were not able to ever get out of that hole. And Evanston just kept pounding it, pounding it, and eventually buried them. And similar thing happened with that GBS game. GBS's first drive, they, they score a touchdown. They go up 7 nothing. They get the onside kickback, the next possession. And it just felt like the entire game, Nutrier was, you know, a step behind them, playing catch-up, climbing uh, a step behind the mountain on them. So they cannot fall down early. They have to, I think, try to try to score early and build some early drives that go, um, you know, some, some longer drives, sustained drives. They have to try to keep that main South offense off the field as long as they can and keep them on the sidelines for uh, the better part of the game. I think the winning formula starts something like that. And obviously then Joe alluded to it earlier, turnovers. That's going to be the biggest thing that's going to kill you. You can't give a good team. You can't really give any team free points, especially in the playoffs. Um, and something as simple as, you know, the, the special teams where games can be decided. You, you can't have multiple punts being blocked. So limit turnovers, score early, and try to keep that offense on the off the field. I think that's the, the recipe for success. Yeah, and, you know, Marty, it goes back even further than that. Remember, remember opening week at Lions when they started? That's out, a great point, yeah. Was it like 10 to 3? It was so ugly. And yeah. Plagued them all year. And they, they actually they actually could have went into halftime down that game. I think it was 9 to 7 at halftime, the play right before halftime. Lions re receiver made a great catch, which uh, seemed to be inbounds yeah. and would have been a touchdown. So, yeah, that that's a great point, Joe. Yeah, and I, I – 
I think they're well aware of it and they just need to fix it quick. I think they've been working on it and I, I don't know. It's probably a combination of, uh, of the coaching and, and the player execution and the play call. It's just as something's not working right at the beginning, but once they get into the game, they're a pretty dynamic offense. Um, so I, I really think Marty's right. They, they got to start quicker, especially on the offensive end of the, of the, of the field. If they can at least sustain a drive and take time off the clock instead of a three and out or, or four or five play drive and punt, it's going to make a big difference throughout the game. It's going to open your playbook up more. It's going to, you know, you field position game, everything. It's going to be big. You know, another thing I think they need to do, um, obviously on the defense event, it's going to be at this point in the season, they, they are who they are on defense in the, with their personnel. But we saw some things last week, Marty, with their linebackers looked much better. Henry Wolf looked like a different player. He's starting to get it. Um, and we knew there'd be growing pains there and taking that Brody Roth spot. Um, and they've had to just try to figure it out. And he hit, he had a hit on, uh, on Keith that was mammoth and it was a strip sack and a couple other times he got in the backfield as well. And I think they're starting to figure something things out with him and he's starting to figure it out. That opens things up for Mendez as a middle linebacker and their other tackling stringer had a nice game, um, as their, as one of their defensive linemen as well. So I think if they're able to do more of that from their linebackers and make hits and tackles that matter, that are impactful uh, and maybe change their mind a little bit on that offensive end, man, I don't know what's going to stop that main South offense, but maybe that's something. If they can generate a few turnovers defensively, that would just be absolutely huge because that's something they've struggled so much at this year. And up until that main South game, I'm, I'm struggling to think of, just how many turnovers they have, but I want to say you could count the amount of turnovers that that defense generated on one hand leading into that main South game. So they had a couple against uh, main South, but you know, some of those turnovers, as you said, Joe, were kind of after the game was, was all but decided. Um, and after main South had jumped out to that huge lead. So if they're able to, to, you know, not even turnovers, it's just like pressuring the quarterback as well. That's been such a struggle for them kind of creating a consistent pass rush. And obviously when you're facing a good offense with a talented quarterback, that's, you know, one of the key things that, that could slow them down. So if they're able to just generate some sort of consistent pressure, just to, to kind of get that offense out of their comfort zone, that, that would go a long way. And those long drives on offense for Nutria side would be huge, but it takes it away. If you let Maine South get the ball back and they score in four or five plays in two minutes, then it, uh, then it defeats the purpose of a long drive. So limiting big plays, it's been a, a huge part of their season. It's been a huge, um, something that's just killed them all year. It's going to be a theme this week as well with an offense that has shown us clearly it's capable of big plays. So uh, a lot of playmakers, they're going to have to try to limit those 60, 70, those huge gains like that, that have just crushed them this year. All right, we'll get more new cheer predictions and how far they'll go in the playoffs toward the end of the podcast. But let's move on over now to Loyola, who's facing a, a really interesting Downers Grove uh, South team where, um, not to go all Charles Dickens, but it really was a tale of two halves where <laughs> they started the season 0-4. And then they rattled off five straight wins to make uh, the postseason. So um, obviously a very impressive, obviously a very hot team. Um, Loyal, obviously nine and no one and nine. What are they? Uh, what's the winning streak at right now this year? Is it uh? Because from the spring, it's uh. Seventeen. Fifteen. Seventeen. Wait, nine and six. 
So they're at 15, and then in 2019, obviously, they lost the last game. So they're at 15. Right. So they moved, they're on a 15-game winning streak right now. Um, guys, we kind of hinted at this away or no way, obviously. Um, obviously, down near the Grove South, uh, a good team making the playoffs, um, finishing the season on a five-game winning streak. The losses are to Wheaton North, 50 to nothing. Glenbard West, 49 to nothing. Down to the ground North, 7 to nothing. And then Willowbrook, 34 to 7. Obviously, a different team. But um, this seems like a game that Loyola should um, be able to handle pretty easily and march on over to uh, the second round of the playoffs. Yeah, kudos to Downers Grove South for, for a really inspirational five-game winning streak to get in the postseason. Um, that's awesome. So much fun. They had to have so much fun on that run, those kids, knowing, you know, being really beaten up those first four weeks, then just marching um, through the competition had to be a lot of fun. So kudos, but um, this is the top seed with a 15-game winning streak for a reason. Um, I think they, they've they been here before as a top seed, um, and they know what to do, and I think they, they put it away early. Um, just a pretty tidy one here in Wilmette. Yeah, as Joe said, fun run for for Downers Grove here at the end of the season, pulling off that run to make the playoffs. But it's uh, it's a step up in class, and you can see from the early part of their schedule how they fared against some of those top tier elite programs. So uh, I think, as we talked about, way no way the biggest uh, discussion around this game is if it's going to get to a running clock or not. Yeah, it'll be really interesting. So let's talk. Let's talk. Not um, obviously, we expect this to be a win. Um, for Loyola, but um, let's take a look at their path toward, um, you know, winning a championship. I mean, um, they would need to play either Naperville Central or North in the potential second round matchup. And then you have uh, a York maybe in there, maybe a Lincoln Way East, uh, potentially in the quarterfinals. You got a Lockport or a Warren. Um, that could be a really interesting matchup in the semifinals. And um, obviously on the other side of the bracket, you got South Engine, the number two seed. Um, you got uh, Maine South, obviously, Nutrier. Um, you have Hinsdale Central as well. Um, I mean, what do you guys just think about their potential path toward getting to a championship and uh, winning a championship? Yeah, just kind of looking at it here, um, outsiders, you know, the whole thing, it looks like a manageable one for them. Um, I don't see them, you know, in past years, we've seen them have to match up against the main South, like an eight and one main South on the same side of the bracket or a eight and one Lincoln way East or a brother rice, like on the same half, this one, I think Warren's their biggest competition on their half of the bracket. Um, it might be the biggest in the whole eight, a tournament, to be honest, but um, I like their path. Um, Lincoln way East sounds intriguing. I think East is a bit down this year. You know, week two could be a bit of a, a bit of a, a, a tough match, tougher matchup than you're usually expecting me to. Naperville teams are tough. They come to bring it in the postseason. Um, they kind of beat each other up in that West Suburban Conference. Naperville Central, for instance, beat Lincoln Way East this year, um, and they played um, Neuqua Valley tough, uh, who's a good team. So um, those are the ones. I'm interested to see what Lockport can do against <laughs> like Limbard West and Warren because they kind of came out of nowhere this year with an 8-1 record. So That'll be fun to watch, but um, I like Loyola's path, and I think they're um, they're going to make the title game. Yeah, I think it's a pretty good draw for the Ramblers as well. Obviously, the matchup that catches your – I should say the potential matchup that catches your attention is that 
uh, that face off with Lincoln Way East, albeit it seems it's a little bit of a of a down year for for Lincoln Way compared to some of the teams they've had these past few years. Anytime those teams get together, it's going to be a lot of fun, and you know it's going to be a close game. So that's kind of one that stick that jumps out right away. Joe made a great point on the Naperville's. There's some really interesting results from both of these Naperville's. Naperville Naperville Central. If you look at some of their early season results, they they beat. They beat Lincoln Way. They beat Hinsdale Central. So they have some really nice wins. And they lost to Naperville North earlier in the season. So um, that looks like it was also a close game. And so that one kind of could go either way. But both those programs have some really nice wins. So that could be a little bit tougher than you would expect in that second week. Uh, And then you get down to the bottom half of the bracket. The name that catches my attention is Warren. I think they've had a really nice season. They played Maine South really closely. Seems like that was a game that could have went either way. I think it went right down to the wire with like a strange 10 to two score or something um, with a safety in there. So I think, I think there are some really interesting matchups, but you, you really can't draw up a better path. I think for Loyola, then once you look on that other side of the bracket, the the name that's going to catch everyone's attention, obviously is Maine South, the six seed, um, there are some other teams thrown in there that I think could make some noise. I think you got to watch out for 19th seeded Palatine. They beat Maine South this year, although they're six and three, they've had some, some really interesting twists and turns to their season and they could be a threat. Mark's a big Evanston guy too. I think that six and three record is misleading. And I think they are very, very dangerous at the bottom of that bracket. So um, yeah, I, I like their chance to advance pretty far, but there are some fun matchups along the way that, uh, could be really, really interesting. Marty, right. I'm glad. Sorry, yeah, Marty, I'm sorry, Mike. Marty, I'm glad you said Evanston because that draw for Evanston really intrigues me with Maine South, who they know well and they had at halftime. Um, so they're going to be playing with a chip on their shoulder, which I think they already have this season. And, you know, I, I'm thinking, you know, Marist in the top half of that bottom quadrant is interesting. I, it could be an Evanston Marist semis. That'd be interesting. A few things would definitely have to go right, of course. Nequa Valley's in there, Hinsdale Central's in there, but could happen. Yeah, it'll be really interesting. All right, let's get some predictions out of you guys. Uh, we'll start off. I'm going to get a prediction for the game and for how team, how far um, the team is going to go in the playoffs. Um, we'll start with Nutria and Maine South. What do you guys expect to happen on Friday? And um, will Nutria be moving past uh, Maine South this weekend? I think we're going to be in store for a better matchup or maybe I should say a closer matchup than we saw on Friday night. I think um, some early situations went against Nutria and that kind of dictated the rest of the game and put them, as I had mentioned, in just one of those early game holes that they've just fell into, unfortunately, too many times this season. So um, what makes my prediction though, and and what kind of makes me feel pretty confident in in it is just that game last week showed so many themes of this new Trier season and they just keep coming up over and over again. And, you know, if you keep seeing them, you, you start to believe that that's what we're going to see. So uh, I've got this one at uh, 38, 24 main South. I'm going to say it's the end of the road for new Trier. I think, you know, as we, as we had talked about uh, earlier in the episode, there, there is a path to victory where, you know, you could see, maybe I should even walk that back a little bit. There's a path to this being a one score game or a close game, but I I see a hard, I see it hard for, for Nutria to beat them just because 
they've just struggled so much defensively. And this, this main South offense is so, so explosive. And it's kind of, I said it earlier, the, the worst case scenario of matchups, because it's a team that's firing on all cylinders on offense versus versus facing a team that has just struggled, you know, game after game defensively. So I think it's going to be an uphill climb. I've got it at 38, 24 main South. Yeah, you know, the more I think about a 49-42 victory for Maine South last week, Maine South, or I'm sorry, Nutrier with an inspiring comeback, I'm wondering if it almost works against Nutrier because now Maine South has them on their radar. They're, they're well aware that they can put up a lot of points, so maybe they leave nothing to question and are really just kind of buttoned up in all facets. I feel like maybe if Maine South was able to walk on them a little bit, maybe Nutrier could take them by surprise because they do have that offensive firepower. But now that they're on their way, I don't know. I just don't see Maine South letting up and that offense look like it really could move the ball against Nutrier's first team defense. Um, I'm, I'm in line with Marty. I, I think it's going to be, um, you know, above 35 in the forties. And I don't, I don't know if Nutrier can get there without a couple turnovers. So, I'll say, uh, sorry, sorry to our Trevians. This is a really good year for Maine South. And I'll say pretty 42 to, I'll say they get 28. I'll say they put up four scores. Yeah, it's just tough because I think there's a world in which this new Trier team is maybe seven and two. You think about that Barrington game. I don't know. Michael would know better than I. I I missed that one as well. I think in a different world, maybe – Nutrier could have won that game. I think if you play that game 10 times, maybe Barrington wins six, maybe Nutrier wins four. So I think there's a world where they could have won that game. And obviously that GB, that game against GBS could have went either way. Um, and if that call had gone Nutrier's way on that fumble play, you know, we're talking about a six and three team instead of five and four, and you've got a much better matchup, but that's just the way things shook out this year. That five and four record is maybe, you know, maybe what this team is, but I think they're a little bit better than that five and four had they had had a matchup with a team that just is, you know, not as offensively proficient as main South. I think maybe there's a chance they could have, they could have pulled an offset and move on to the second week, but it's just kind of a worst case scenario matchup. I think this main South team is just really, really good. And it's going to take a lot of things going Nutrier's way for, uh, for them to move forward. Yeah, and if I could, I'm going to editorialize for real quick that this matchup shouldn't be happening in an ideal <laughs> world for these state tournaments. It just shouldn't. Like, we should be seeing if the these teams from the North can compete with the teams in the West, can compete with the teams in the South, and everything in between. We should see if those eight and one teams are as good as the five and four teams from another division or seven and two versus six and three and so on and so forth. That's what we should be seeing. That's what everybody wants. That's what makes for the most competitive tournament and will spit you out the best champion. And that's what we should be doing. And then there's some other oddities here. We talked about it. JCA, which is one of the state's best, no matter the class is in five, a East St. Louis is in like four, a they're one of the state's best. We just have to do a better job. And IHSA gets pummeled with this every year. And I think that's why they removed any, any say so. And any of these, they're like, you know, whatever. We're just going to say, these are your spots. These are your matchups. And we don't have any influence on making the picks. They got to get, they got to get a panel of experts. They got to do something to make these picks for them. And 
just create the best possible tournaments because these aren't them. We should not have a game we just saw Friday night happening in the first round of the playoffs. That should not be the case. These teams see each other every single season. We should see something different. In it just helps. We got Batavia playing Mount Carmel possibly in the second round. Those are probably the top, top two teams in 7A. And we know the Catholic League's a lot tougher. Uh, and we talked about East St. Louis with their two losses being like a 16 seed. They're the one seed. We all know it. We just got to do a better job and use some common sense here. And I know it's difficult. Trust me. I know no matter once you start being subjective about it, you're going to get hate mail from this school or that school, but it's going to be the best possible tournament. You got to try in my opinion. Sorry, Marty. It just takes such a buzz off of the matchup too. You know, obviously Nutria Main South is fun. Anytime it happens, you know, it's a, it's a local matchup that we really enjoy, but it's good when these teams get into different communities, it helps create a buzz. You know, it's a program, it's programs that don't normally face each other. Like just imagine, even if you flip the five and six seeds, then we get a Warren versus Nutria matchup. And that's something I could say where we'd all probably be really, really excited about. It's teams that never play each other. Um, you know, it's, you, you get you to travel out to a stadium that the, the players wouldn't normally play in. You get to, to go into these different communities and it, there's just more of a buzz about it when you see matchups that you wouldn't normally see. So it's, uh, I, I think you're spot on with that, Joe. It wouldn't be a playoff varsity podcast uh, episode without a rant going against the IHSA. So good that Joe uh, got that in there. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, I think what Marty talked about earlier, you have Nutria's weakness, which is the defense going against Maine South's strength. And that's that offense. I think we got a 42 to 10 matchup here. I think, uh, I think oh. uh, Maine South, I think Maine South may be uh, let things off a little bit on Friday, trying to get ready for the postseason. And I think you'll see the full, full performance uh, this upcoming uh, matchup there, but um, let's wrap things up and give a prediction. Let's start off with um, what you expect to happen against Loyola and Downers Grove South on Saturday and then give me a prediction of how far this Loyola team goes in the playoffs. Ooh, you want to, that? Wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> they, the playoffs start. You can't adjust, man. You got to give me the, the full thing. I know I said, uh, uh, I got to stick with it. I said a running clock. So I will say it'll be 42 to three. No, 40. That's not a running clock. 42 zero. Um, because they get maybe a couple, like a defensive touchdown that pushes it over the edge. And that, that kind of sometimes happens. Uh, to get to the running clock, but I think they take care of business. I, I don't know if I want to say other than that too much, maybe they figure some things out. You know, I think the biggest question going forward for, for Loyola, will Marco Maldonado come back? Because I think this week is six weeks. And I think the quarterfinals will be eight weeks and then nine weeks for his collarbone. I know he did have, I believe he had surgery on it, which I think actually shaves a week. But, of course, you know, they want to put him in a good spot to succeed and be healthy, of course. So um, will he come back in the quarters and the semis? If so, this team is a state champion, in my opinion. Um, if not, or in a limited capacity, I think it's closer. Um, and I think it'll be a, an interesting run for them. But um, I still do like their chances. I like their depth. I think Sterney's going to have a really nice postseason. And so are a couple of their receivers um, who are going to be in there um, specifically you know, Danny Collins has been so good this year. I think he's going to have a nice one. And I think James Cruz is going to be all over the place in the playoffs. So um, can't believe he isn't somewhere with a D1 offer right now. 
Um, but um, yeah, that's insane. How is that even possible? He's an absolute just based on what he's able to do. That's crazy. I know. I know he'll get there. Um, I mean, it might be Illinois with his ties there um, with his brother there and his, his dad, um, Olin. So anyway, um, I like him as state champions. I do think Marco makes an appearance. Um, I, you know, that's all assuming he's healthy. I'm not going to push for it because I don't know the inside story, but, um, and uh, maybe he's a hero late in, late in this run. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what Joe said there. I've got Loyola winning pretty easily. Uh, I've got them 35 to three in the first round. Um, Wouldn't be surprised if it was even a a bigger margin of victory than that. But um, I want to see how the bracket plays out a little bit before I make my prediction on where they go. I think Joe said it best with um, Maldonado coming back is the big question mark about this team. They get them back. I don't think there's anyone that's going to touch them. Uh, if they get Marco back. So they, they showed us early in the season what that offense is going to do if they have him. And, and it's clearly, uh, you know, one of the best, if not the best in the state. So I do feel pretty comfortable saying that I think the final four matchup is going to be uh, on their side of the bracket, Loyola against Warren. I think that's what it'll shake down to. Um, and then on the other side, uh, there might be some upsets, but uh I alluded to it that there's a, there's a team in Evanston that I really like that I think could make some noise. So um, other than maybe Maine South or Evanston, I don't know if there's a lot of programs on that other side of the bra- other side of the bracket that could challenge Loyola. All right. And I think I'm going to have, a, I think I'm going to have a 32 to uh, three battle here. I think after you getting off to quickly, Loyola is just going to rest their players, make sure everyone's healthy and that kind of stuff. Um, I, th- I mean, I've, I know it's it's a very popular pick to pick Loyola to win the 8A bracket. I think there's a reason for that. There has not been the team that's been able to beat them, obviously, this calendar year. Um, heading into the season, I think we had a lot of questions about, man, you lost all the senior leadership. You lost all these great players. How are you going to respond? Well, they responded by having a 9-0 season and winning the uh, division outright. So um, I think Loyola wins the state championship. I don't think there's a team. I'm not going to say that's going to be easy. That's going to be blowout wins or anything by that anything like that but um i do think loyola ends up winning the state championship they're just too deep they're just much they just have the talent that a lot of teams dream about having and um i think they end up winning the state eight state championship and eight a football in uh dekalb on the 27th of november but that was a jam-packed episode of the podcast as we like to call it a lot of good content a lot of good stuff in there Thanks as always for listening. Just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. Make sure you like us, spread the word, as well as you are at sporting events. We always appreciate the positive feedback and the support as well. All right, we got a lot of playoffs going out. We've got soccer. We got uh, girls volleyball. We got field hockey. We got um, girls swimming and diving going on and obviously football going on this weekend as well. So make sure you're checking up with the record for all the latest updates and everything else that is going on. So for Joe, Marty, and I, thanks so much for joining us this week, and we will talk to you guys down the road. Thanks for listening. Make sure to read our stuff at therecordnorthshore.org, but make sure to read Michael Dwojak's stuff at Friday Night Drive. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Varsity uh, product of the record, northshore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom.